Welcome to Exhuming the Bones, where horror writers talk craft, process, and community. In this special clip, you'll meet your hosts, Kelly, Mary, and David. After digging up a neighbor's dead cat at nine years old, she was curious. Kelly started her horror writing journey with an apology letter to God. Still looking to make sense of the world through stories, she turns to science fiction when the world, as is, doesn't provide. Mary has always been fascinated with the other side, lifting the curtain in between with spells and stories. Sometimes shadows follow her back into the waking world, so they must be tethered with prose. She's still on the hunt for the wolf. When she's not collecting ghosts, she teaches word weaving and unraveling the psyche at the college level. David grew up in rural Ohio, where coyotes howl at night, and you can lay down in the middle of the road to gaze at the stars without having to worry about traffic. There was little to do but read and imagine. He never shied away from what others saw as odd. The otherworldly and unseen have always intrigued him. Let's talk about who we are and what brought us to the Horror Writers Association and specifically the Ohio chapter. I first got introduced to the treasurer of HWA. I think it was our chapter, the Ohio chapter, because he was drinking at my sister's bar that she bartends. And she must have overheard him talking about writing or horror and was like, oh, my brother's a writer and he's really big into horror. And he was like, oh, let me get his information. And so she gave out my information, got down his information and passed it on to me. So I would call it a meet cute, but it's like not really a meet cute. It's more of like, hey, my friend of a friend knows this about this person. And it was kind of this, I had no idea about the Horror Writers Association. I just heard the word horror and the word writer. And I'm like, both of those are me. So this seems like a really nice commodity to like, try and get my feet in the door in and then he put me in touch with Ramey and here we are I love your reference to film there can you explain for our audience in case they don't know what a meet cute is oh so like a meet cute is it's a situation that's generally in like a public place and both parties end up being like slightly awkward with each other but the sparks still kind of fly. Uh, Normally people say meet cute and it's romantic, but in this case, it was kind of a happenstance. It wasn't really, no one meant for it to happen. It's not like someone went to a horror writers association convention or anything like that. It was just at a bar. Excellent. Thank you for that. Kelly, what brought you to the HWA? Thanks, David. Um, I actually was, trying to decide where to uh, throw some money. (laughs) And I was, you know, looking around, I I couldn't decide between like sci-fi, you know, science fiction writers association of America. I'd heard things. um, I went to the horror writers website and I looked at all the, the really awesome things they offer. And and I love that they offer, Oh, well, I was receiving their email for a year or more and just looking at the different um the different things that they would offer and what most caught me was the mentor program and i saw that they they would pair you with a mentor and i was just dying for a mentor i was kind of floundering and just wanted somebody to 
you know, Stephen King has his Tabitha and I wanted to get me a Tabitha. And I thought if I joined, they would have a whole bunch of them. And I, you know, and so it it was a great um, investment. Um, I found even more than I, than I'd hoped there in terms of, you know, I got a mentor and that was a great experience. And maybe we'll talk about that in another podcast, but um, I also met great great people like you and Mary, which is so cool. And, and it's just wonderful to share the craft with. So, and I will move on to Mary. Um, what led you to uh, join? For HWA, I actually heard about it in my MFA program at Cleveland State. And, you know, it was in um, a class where we were studying literary horror. And it was years before I actually sought membership But it had been in the back of my mind, you know, I was writing a whole different, writing within different genres, and I kept being drawn to the the horror genre. And, you know, when you explain to other people that you're a horror writer, you get those looks. You all know what I mean. Like those, those looks are like, okay, this person's maybe a little off or I'm afraid of them now. Um, So I was really looking for other writers who kind of celebrate the the darkness, um, but not necessarily because we all look for darkness in our lives, but because, you know, sometimes we go through difficult things and this is a way to express about those things in a creative and healthy way. So I went onto the website and I, I thought, you know, this is such a great fit for me. And it's a great time too, because one of the short stories that I was working on had just gotten picked up by an anthology and the publisher of the anthology, um, one of, one of them was also a member of the horror writers association. So I thought, okay, I'm, I'm getting all the signs from the universe. This is, this is meant to be. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's definitely more of a like academic um, thought out than, well, mine at least Kelly you you at least did a little bit more research I feel like mine was just thrown into the door no we have we have Mary who had karma you met your horror you met the horror writers association in a bar <laughs> and I basically met the horror writers association on what is that like a like tinder right like that's <laughs> oh boy <laughs> I'd, at, I, I'd at least say you were like you were like the person who gave to like uh, PBS or WOSU when they're doing their membership drives. But yeah. Tinder does sound more fun. I, I, I know. <laughs> I really wanted that mentor and I wanted it to be my Tabitha. So, you know. I love that we all represent different ways of becoming a part of this organization. And I'm sure there are so many other stories out there, whether it's in Ohio or across America, you know, how people got introduced to this organization and how they became involved. So I'm hoping that others will be willing to share their stories. Um, We start a larger conversation about this great community that we're a part of. So we know that we're a part of horror writers. Um, What about being drawn just to the genre of writing horror? Where did that story start for both of you? So I, when I, I've been drawn to horror since I was super young, um, nine years old, probably. Uh, I like to say that my first piece of horror writing was uh, an apology to God. Because I, I was weren't kidding about that. That was actually like a all this, real, real yeah, this happened. I, 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 as a horror writer, I did eventually tr- take this experience I'm about to tell you about, and I turned it into a scene in, in one of my first uh, long form works. But I, I was um, nine years old, 
and I lived um, in a trailer court, <laughs> confessions, and uh, a fellow, a neighbor had their, their pet died, their cat died, and um, they buried it in the farmer's field across the street from my trailer court. And they put a little cross up with like ribbon. And, and so I knew that there was a dead cat under there. And being nine, and I guess darkly curious, I, I wanted to see it. So um, my friends and I got some shovels and we started digging and we unearthed this plastic bag and the, like a dog must've smelled it. And I mean, a big dog and he came and he took the bag <laughs> and he did with okay. it what, what dogs do. And so, so this was one of those moments in my life where, first of all, I was so curious about the dead and then it went so horribly wrong and the dog tore up this cat and, um, it was also like an adulting moment for me because I was like in over my head, you know, I, I was horrified. I knew I couldn't put the cat back. It was now in pieces. And, and I felt that I had, you know, committed some kind of crime against, you know, God and humanity. And so I can't, I went home. I, I did put the cat pieces back as much as I could, but um, I went home and I penned or crammed this letter to God and um about my feelings about it. And then ever since I have felt like horror is a, is a way for me to, you know, process things that are like you just said, Mary hard. And, um, one of my, like, um, uh, my banner for my blog says the role of the artist is to not look away. It's actually a quote from Akira Kurosawa. Mm -hmm. And I felt that ever since that cat moment, it was like, my role was to not look away and then, and then to keep it and tell it later. And so, um, so I've always been, and like you though, I wasn't sure about my genre. It was only, I think, you know, and coming into the horror writers with that, I was like, yes, I'm home. This is my genre. Cause I, I went to college. I did not get an MFA, but I also went to Cleveland state funny. And, um, so you know, in college, you just kind of taught literary fiction, I think, or that's the, that's the gist, maybe not in MFA programs, but in getting a Bachelor of Arts. Um, and so even the idea of genre writing was so far away until I, you know, spent time with good people who also write that way. So my first uh, introduction to horror, at least as a genre, was, I'm going to guess at the age of five, with Silence of the Lambs. Um, the movie and it was that turbulent time of the 90s where all every family had a blank VHS with a pinned in uh, movie on it and there would be like three movies on one VHS because you had two VHS players and when you rented something from the movie store you copied it <laughs> and I remember my dad watching the start of it and I never ever got past the the starting sequence when Clarice is at FBI training I never got past that because either someone realized oh shit David's in the room and turned it off really quick or ushered me out but it was like this gray tone this gray blue filter on the camera and it was just like the woods and everything and I was intrigued at the age of five and that movie really stuck with me. I, I mean, I've seen it. It's still one of my favorites, but it took me forever to get back to that. And that with uh, John Carpenter's like the thing. And a lot of my introduction is film. Um, I got read goosebumps a lot as a kid. And then 
on it was just such a big thing and Arlstein's an Ohioan so it's even bigger but then like his first like TV movie came out and it was the haunted mask and I remember being so excited for it as a kid and then for some reason I got freaked out like I was legitly terrified and I have no idea why and I don't remember what age I was but like my mom kind of like essentially like held me down in the room and was like forcing me to watch it. And I like ran away screaming and it took me then a really long time to get back to horror. Um, but when I, like, I, I remember in grade school, everyone was like really excited about the haunted Ohio stories and scary stories to tell in the dark. And I never read any of those. I looked at the covers. I thought they were cool and I enjoyed hearing people talk about them but I never read them I never got up the gumption I guess I really didn't start picking it up again till probably seventh or eighth grade with uh, Paul Zindel and his uh, the Zone Unknown series which has uh, titles like Raptor, Lock, and Rats and they're all creature flicks and they're just like so gory and his descriptions are like really gross and there's body parts going everywhere and it's just like no holds barred and that's really what it like got in for me high school i was like really into like writing horror and for one of my um for one of my finals for like a fiction writing seminar in college i did horror and i wrote a bunch of horror poems in an advanced poetry writing seminar so it's just what I ended up going into. Before we go to Mary, I just, you were making me think of David, because you were saying about um, Silence of the Lambs. And I don't know, we, sometimes we throw in like craft books. So I don't know if um, you guys or any of our audiences heard of um, Stephen Pressfield's The Story Grid, because he totally goes through Silence of the Lambs. So you might want to like, it'll, it'll open it up even more for you as you're talking about Silence of the Lambs and how much that scared you. I'm like, wait a minute, there's a, there's a, a craft book that just absolutely, it's like it, you know, flays it open on an operating room table and dissects Silence of the Lambs. And it's super helpful. So there, throw that in before you go and ask Mary. Excellent. <laughs> yes, I'm always up for really good uh, craft book recommendations. Thank you. For me, I, I can really relate to all the film references as well. And I have a little bit of a different story. Um, I can relate to David, you were sharing about being afraid of a film. Um, for me, I went to a Catholic school as a young person and we had a lock-in. I want to say it was maybe fifth grade. And so a lock-in in case anybody doesn't know, at least at this school was, we had a teacher there and it was all the fifth graders and we were locked in overnight to watch movies and have, you know, treats and, and some good, wholesome fun. That's what I thought I was in for. And here they put on the exorcist as a fifth grader. I would, yeah, I was really, I was the kid that was crying in the corner and had to get out of the room and like went down the hallway and, and slumped on the floor and cried. And my best friend was the only one who would talk to me because everybody else was like, you're ruining the fun, you know, but I just, something about the idea of a bad spirit inhabiting a person's body scared the bejesus out of me. It really did. And I think ever since then, 
I have had a hard time with thinking about that. And, you know, I also have a, a sensitivity to people's energy around me. And so I can, I can tell often, you know, when people are upset, when they're happy, when they're feeling certain things, and I pick up on those things, um, what some might describe as an empath, but that also comes with the, you know, overwhelming, empathy that I wish I could turn off sometimes. And there was something about this movie that sent me into overdrive when it came to empathy, even though, you know, why am I empathizing with this, uh, <laughs> this possessed girl? I don't know, mm. um, but that's what happened. So I, you know, it was um, my friends actually were much more into horror than I was as a genre. I loved fear street. You mentioned fear street, loved um, reading fear street. And then I got into movies like The Craft, Nightmare on Elm Street. But as a writer, I was really interested more in fantasy, um, Tolkien, you know, um, Eddings. I, I, I just, I loved the, the whole fantasy genre. And so for a long time, I really thought that's, that was going to be my focus. And then I got into writing more creative nonfiction and, you know, just about life and things like that. And it really wasn't until I got into my MFA program that I realized, oh my gosh, I'm a horror writer. <laughs> yeah. I, I would never have described myself that way before. Um, but there was one class that I was taking in a, a different master's program. It was just for straight English. And so uh, Kelly, I know what you mean about the whole, you know, um, the more accepted, novels from the canon and this is what you're exposed to and not really genre make sure nothing happens absolutely nothing happens and you just yes absolutely if there's something interesting happening it's not good okay right <laughs> there's always a moral or we're really getting deeply into character um or, or history i like the the tension and the um I like the psychological horror. I like supernatural and paranormal horror. I like the the whole thriller aspect of things. I'm not I'm not really into slasher, although I can appreciate, you know, um, Friday the 13th. I can appreciate, you know, those types of things. But yeah, I really did not start writing seriously in this genre until the last couple of years. So when you think about yourselves as writers, how would you describe your areas of expertise within, within horror or, you know, maybe even outside of horror, where, where do you naturally feel like you fall? So I do pretty dialogue heavy, um, both in horror and out of horror. Um, I like putting the mundane in with, supernatural or the paranormal the non-mundane so a lot of characters you know there's a lot of food i love food i the few things i've had published and actually gotten paid for have been articles for a columbus um newsletter and they mostly do food and activities and everything around the city but it's mostly food. Like the first article, one of the first articles I wrote for Columbus 614 Media Group was about food. And food and horror are something I think that transcends every culture. Every culture has a boogeyman. Every culture has some sort of thing that we're taught to be afraid of. And every culture has food. 
and there's just it evolves over time it sustains us it wants to get inside of us and it's just literally. yeah yeah <laughs> literally. literally exactly and so i like putting that in my stories i mean some of the funnest stuff that i found like reading horror or fantasy um i'll take fantasy as a little bit just right now is i just got done reading um black sun by rebecca Rowanhorse. and there are definitely some horror aspects in there because there's powers you don't understand that are very primal or very elemental based there's dismemberment there's death there's really good descriptions of it but then you get weird lighthearted stuff like talking about all the food that someone's eating on a beach right before they go off sailing or talking about the type of alcohol that someone drinks and it's like those grounding little bits in that peek inside a character's daily life that i find really fun and it helps ground the reader and makes them think that they are that character and that's just it, it's just like weird like kind of nerdy shit like that that is just really fun for me to write because it's not it breaks up the holy shit someone just died and then suddenly you're talking about a type of food dish or something else and it's it breaks it up a little bit and makes it more easily digestible and instead of just heavy 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 everyone's dead i'm very curious about this relationship between horror and food now so can you give us an example let's say i want to have a themed party and i'm like oh horror and food what would i do so there's a peter jackson film that isn't lord of the rings and <laughs> it's on um, peter jackson's like dead alive and any zombie movie in all honesty because zombies have to eat and to sustain themselves whether they actually need to or not and there's always that weird it, it, it's, it's a lot in horror movies and in a few books where there's food on a table and like like in um in Guillermo del Toro's Pan's Labyrinth, you have the creature with the eyes in its hands and all the food lay in front of it, but instead it grabs and eats all the fairies. So, and then there's a lot of other scenes where there's food spread on the table, but it's all rancid, or there's like a weird cutaway, and you find out nothing is as what it seems. That beautiful turkey is actually maggot infested, or it turns out to be like the bowels and stomach entrails of some weird creature that you're not quite sure what it is. So, and it, it's always, it, it, it's that weird, like gross factor a lot in horror. Um, I don't think there's a lot of like that mainstay because a lot of the horror we watch or we read generally what's happening in the character is happening really quick. And it only lasts like maybe a day maybe two if they're lucky enough to live that long. So it's not like we actually see them eating, but there's still that it's still there. It's just maybe not so much as we think. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they just ate people. So, I mean, it's food. <laughs> it's just people food. So I guess it, it is hard to find that in horror, but in one of the pieces I'm writing now and I'm working on, it's definitely centered there um, because it's taking place 
in a city where there's all these different cultures and that and the easiest way to notate a culture and not have it be a trope or offensive or anything like that and also have it be reachable to people who aren't from that culture is food and you i'm i'm a straight cis white male there is i am the whitest of white bread and but a really easy way to get anyone like me who may be more closed-minded than me interested in another culture is to just give them food everybody loves to eat everybody needs to eat but we all share a fear too i mean right these are these are you know aspects of humanity that we all share we understand what it's like to be afraid right and, and it's not no different when you're afraid if you're Latino or if you're Asian, you're just afraid, you know? Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Common ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about you, Mary? What's your expertise? I feel like I have a lot of magical realism elements in my writing. And so there's, there's usually some type of a haunting going on, whether it's haunting from the other side or it's haunting like somebody's being stalked. Sometimes mm. it's both. Um, I love the, the creepy factor without necessarily explaining what it is. Mm. I like that sense of fear, shadows, growling sounds that are lingering somewhere behind the bushes or in in the dark um, basement. And we don't know what's down those stairs yet, but we have to go down there because maybe we have to save somebody, but we don't want to go down there because it's terrifying. I'm really interested in those types of scenes and the feelings that it inspires in people, Mm. how relationships work when there's fear involved, when there's Mm protection and, and love involved. I feel like there's, you know, in my past, I've faced difficult situations because of love, because of this connection to family, to my husband, to my friends, and those relationships have made me more courageous. And so oftentimes you'll find in my writing, those relationships highlighted, even in the face of great fear. Mm. So definitely the ghosts, um, the creepy factor without the slasher stuff, although once in a while that'll get in there too. I love zombie stories, but I really haven't written any. I'm just, I'm still thinking about what David said earlier about <laughs> and their need to eat. And now I'm kind of curious thinking back about my own work. When have I really talked about food? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and reread and see if I've even done that. Yeah. I, I usually, David, I usually use food as more of like the not, I guess it's not comic relief, but it's just relief. So in my work, generally food is the one place where it's like, okay, whew, we can take a breath. We can take a break from this. What's horrible about whatever's going on. And we're having a meal. Yeah. So I use it completely differently, but I love the idea that it could be the fear element. Um, yeah. So, and Mary, I guess I just want to ask, is it like your, um, do you feel that it's more of a frightening, it's more frightening if you don't explain or if you don't give every detail. That's what it sounds like you're saying that your, your work, your expertise or your focus is really on kind of presenting, presenting a scene and letting the reader build their monster. 
based on the hints you throw. Yes, kind of like what Stephen King says, you know, we we started on the page, but it it finishes yeah. in the reader's mind. And so for them, whatever that is, they're going to be filling in those blanks. Mm-hmm. And that just seems to be kind of a natural space for me to go. Um, I also really love history. And so the idea of haunted places, whether it's an actual ghost or just maybe holding the memory of things that have happened there before, that's extremely interesting to me. And I feel like a lot of healing can actually come from those types of stories. Mm. For example, one of the pieces that I um, had put into an anthology was about uh, a plantation in the old South and the ghosts that lived there, whether we talk about ghosts being actual, you know, spiritual beings or the ghosts of what happened there, you know, the, the shadows of, of the horror um, from the past. And I think through, like I said, I, before, I think through writing about those types of events, even though they're painful and they're difficult, I think it opens a space for healing and discussion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm actually thinking, so I'm all over the place, but I'm thinking that David, or maybe you, Mary, since you're working toward that end, need to write a horror story or novel that centers in a bar. Did you say that you were writing something in a microbrewery or about a microbrewery? So my present long work is, is in a, but so a microbrewery, it's more of the workers though. And there are scenes that occur in the bar, but again, like I said to David, like the scenes that revolve around food, or in this case, drink, are generally the the easing back of the tension. So, um, and and I guess to uh, round up that question, my it's hard to say. You know, what am I an expert in? You don't want to. I'm going to go with what other people have said um, about my writing in, in different writing groups. And being that I, um, you know, began with the whole literary, so I wrote a lot of poetry initially, and I, I found success that way. Um, you know, you win contests or whatever, but I, I really don't, didn't love poetry. I love, you know, I love escaping in a book. Right. And I think that's what, you know, all of us feel we want to escape, but um, according to a lot of the groups I'm a part of my prose has a lot of uh, poetic feel to it. Um, Imagery is something I, but I will say in that vein, you're probably not surprised to hear that one of the criticisms is that I, I could go purple. Right. Um, and we don't want to be writing purple prose. And, um, I don't know if everyone knows what purple prose is. I didn't for a long time, even though I was committing it. Um, it's when you're, you know, you're really just the sourcing ad nauseum. So I just, I, 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 and I will say, I just love the language. I love, it's like clay, right? You want to just work with it and touch it and play with it. And, and I wanted every sentence to be just this beautiful thing, you know, and, and then I would have you know, an agent say, well, you just need to ease back on the, on the thesaurus a bit. So, so I think my strength was ultimately my weakness as well. And I, I guess I only share that because, because as a writer, my, I don't know, my heart is to encourage other writers. So, so even if you have a weakness, it could become your strength and vice versa. Um, And so I just, I guess another aspect of my, my expertise might be that I don't shy away from the dark humor. I, I love what Mary and what David, you guys said about, you know, maybe not describing every little detail and, uh, you know, um, kind of just pulling the scene in, but I, I don't mind, you know, I don't, wouldn't describe my work as slasher, but there, there definitely are elements. Like I, I almost always have something where if you turn to that one page, you think it was a slasher. So, 
that's probably where I, where I land. I think, I think what you're saying is great. It's actually, it takes, um, it takes a lot from my writing experience because in my academic career, at least at my college, when you did a creative writing focus, you either did poetry or you did prose. Mm-hmm. And I did both. And I took advanced classes in both of them. And then when it came time to, to take the capstone, my academic advisor, who up until that point hadn't been so much help, <laughs> was like, you do realize you only had to take one advanced writing. I'm like, well, it just made sense to take both. So then you're more well-rounded. They were like, okay, well, normally people then take a capstone, but you've now taken both Mm. courses, like both lines. So you don't have to take a capstone course now, uh, which was great for me because then I got to graduate on time. But part of me wonders if maybe taking that capstone probably would have helped my prose a little bit. I I still do Mm. poetry from time to time. Um, the first fiction I actually had published was in my alma mater's uh, poetry journal, and it was for their October um, poetry book. And I was like, all right, let's go through my old poetry stuff that I have written and pick something out that's super spooky. And it was called A Bubbling Sore. Easily what I could describe it as is eco horror and something that's something I kind of want to like go on now uh I'm very more ecologically conscious than I I feel like I always was but definitely in like the past like four years um I've been getting involved with a lot of conservation groups I want to take that aspect of like me loving the outdoors loving nature but then take the part of me that loves horror and kind of combine them together because Anything that's beautiful can also be horrific. And I think you really have something with the fear. Fear is a great motivator, David. And so, you know, I, I think one of the, we're not, that's maybe for another podcast, but the idea of fear being, um, you know, kind of a shepherd into a, a new way of thinking, a new way of seeing. One of the things I love that I'm hearing in these conversations is our upbringing our experiences that we've had in life have kind of shaped the way that we view horror and that we write about horror. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. I I've always felt like horror is it's like therapy. It's, it's the way we deal with the stuff that we don't know how to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that for myself. Well, I hope that we get to continue, keep, you know, keep having these conversations about, how we've been influenced throughout our lives. And I hope that our conversation expands and we can bring others in and they can share their unique perspectives too. Sounds great. I can't wait. I can't wait either. Thanks so much for hosting, Mary. Yeah, thank you guys for being here. Always a pleasure. This podcast is a project of the Ohio chapter of the Horror Writers Association. For more information about the Ohio chapter, please visit ohiowa.wordpress.com.